0: Diverse is brought to you by SWE Advance, supporting the recruitment, retention, and advancement of women in engineering through career resources, professional development, and one-to-one networking opportunities.
1: Hello, I'm Jessica Ranno, FY17 President of the Society of Women Engineers, and this is SWE's Diverse podcast series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media visit SWE.org for more details. Joining me now as part of our Men as Diversity Partners podcast series is Ernest Adams. He is Vice President of Global Diversity and Inclusion at Danaher, a Fortune 50 company. He has a bachelor's degree in Industrial Engineering and Management Sciences from the Northwestern University and currently lives in Washington, D.C. Thanks for joining us today, Ernest.
0: Great. Thanks, Jessica. Excited to be here.
1: Ernest, you have a degree in engineering, but you made a transition from engineering into HR. Before Danaher, you held positions at major retailers, including Nike, Gap, and Abercrombie & Fitch. Can you tell us about your background and how you made that transition?
0: Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I don't know that it was necessarily a a conscious decision on my part. I did know that while I was at Northwestern, um, I really enjoyed um, the process-oriented thinking that engineering really instilled in me. Um, While I was in school at Northwestern, I was uh, heavily involved with the National Society of Black Engineers and in fact led the Northwestern chapter in the entire Midwest region um, and um, understood what the field of engineering might offer me. I did uh, a couple internships while I was in school, actually doing engineering work. And the, the one thing I will say is that I, 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 I tend to be a little bit more social with how I do work every day. And um, and so that, that prompted me to think about that engineering may not be the right path for me. But I really, again, going back to enjoy the, the process orientation, the way that we problem solve as engineers, and the way that we really think about complex business solutions. Um, but after graduating, I did decide that um, I wanted to see what else uh, the business world might be able to offer me. But the one thing that I learned through the National Society of Black Engineers, which is very similar, I'm sure, to um, some of the career advice that that the SWE uh, members receive is that with a background in engineering, you're really marketable to look at the entire breadth of business opportunities. And so I looked for a general development program and and, and that is how I started with Macy's uh, right out of school in a a rotational program in their corporate headquarters. Um, And that really led to multiple doors opening for me as I continued through my career i will say that everyone every time that i sat down for an interview people went back to my industrial engineering degree wanted to know a little bit more about that and really were trying to test and understand the agility that i presented with um, as a result of that engineering background so while i don't do engineering work today i will say that that was a fantastic foundation for me to build upon um, throughout my career
1: i can Um, imagine when i was in school my Uh, dean had a big sign in his office that said engineering the best liberal arts degree you can have and really talked a lot about the flexibility of that
0: yeah absolutely and and and, you know i will say at northwestern the industrial engineering degree is mixed with management sciences it's the same department and um and so we took a lot of classes that were really focused on organizational behavior um, and, and industrial design Understanding how people work in the workplace and those things really—that was the side of it that I was really interested in, which kind of led me down this management track. Um, but, but you know, again, was was is really rooted in in those engineering values.
1: So now you're at Danaher, and you're the first person to have the title with the word diversity in it. Can you tell us about your role?
0: Sure. So uh, I, I chuckle a little bit because um, you know we uh, a lot of people look at us and say you know Danaher is a you know a very large organization and, and we're just now starting to think about diversity. But but we've been at this work for a few years and um, the diversity council, which is made up of senior leaders, um, senior executives all around the world, all around the globe, decided that we really need to have a, a, a functional leader for this for for diversity and inclusion sitting within the corporate headquarters. So so my role today is really focused on the intersectionality of talent, um, engagement, um, understanding belonging in the workplace, understanding how do we ensure that our associates are um, coming to work every day in a place that they trust. And um, I'm looking at how do I bring um, processes, practices, procedures um, um, to life to make sure that our associates really um, can be their full selves at work every day. So one of the first things that we've done as we thought through diversity and inclusion at Danaher is to understand that there needs to be intersection points with DNI across all of the facets of how we do work every day as leaders. And we did not want diversity and inclusion to be a standalone kind of function that was integrated or an afterthought. So if we think of through talent acquisition and how we go to market to recruit talent, there's a diversity and inclusion component to that or if we think through how do we think about performance management or how do we promote our associates, there is a diversity and inclusion component to that. So we've worked really hard to continue to integrate diversity and inclusion in all practices across human resources and general leadership. So my job is to really shepherd that and ensure that our leaders are understanding what those connection points are and then how do they take that and make that their own to really drive great leadership behavior within the organization.
1: Since you're talking about organizational change, what are the tools and training you've used for that? I know, um, with having a background with industrial engineering, that probably was a really good fit for doing that.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of the one of the one of the things that we did was in the beginning we did an assessment. So Danaher is um, a fantastic organization. So we're a decentralized company, and we wholly own about thirty different operating companies around the world. And we're aligned in five different platforms of businesses. So we have a life science business and a set of companies that focus on life science. We have a set of businesses that focus on the diagnostics industry, um, water quality, product identification, and uh, finally dental. And so what I wanted to do was to build a diversity and inclusion program that was flexible enough to meet all of our operating companies where they were at on the diversity and inclusion journey. So in order to do that, we first built a transformational toolkit that allowed each of our businesses to understand, if I'm at this point today, where do I wanna get to over the next 12 to 18 months as I think through building a more diverse and inclusive workforce. And so we built a 30 point scale that allows all of our uh, operating companies to really take a look at their business, do a self-assessment, and then again, understand where their gaps might be, and then start to build actionable items that will help them close that gap. So if you think through the work that an engineer does every day and how an engineer thinks, that really is a, a very process-oriented, linear process that um, that really uh, I, I, we were able to develop based off of the way that I was trained to think as an engineer. Um, and then that has led us to be able to launch various tools um, in an online toolkit for our operating companies that allow them to be able to go in and tap into those resources to um, accelerate their, um, their, their closing of that gap that we just talked about.
1: So I know when you want to work on changing a culture of an organization, um, whether it be to be more diverse or just really going through any changes in an organization, it can be difficult. Can you talk about some of the challenges that you've experienced?
0: Sure. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's really interesting with diversity and inclusion is that, um, You know, those of us that are diverse, I'm African-American, I'm sure speaking to to women understand this, that for us, it's almost second nature to understand that diversity is a competitive advantage. Um, But that may not be the case for everyone. And so, you know, there's some time spent answering the why. Why are we doing diversity and inclusion? What is the business case? And how will this help us grow our business and ultimately get closer to our customer? So, so there's some time spent asking, answering those questions, but, but I think it's really important to understand that that is many of those questions do not come from people who don't want to be advocates. It's from people who may not necessarily have lived um, in any situations where they are experiencing what it's like to not be part of the mainstream or one of the um, 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 majority um, part of the majority part of the culture. So so I spend some time with that. I would say the other one that's, that's really interesting is understanding how do you create accountability at the individual leadership level so that every manager understands that there is a role that they play in creating and maintaining a diverse and inclusive environment. And that 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 is everything from every hire that you make onto your team um, really should be thought about from a diversity and inclusion lens. Um, every promotion that you make, but then more importantly, just how, what is the culture that you're enabling for your associates to show up to work every day? And, um, and so that, that, that fundamental accountability at that, at that leader level um, is sometimes uh, it, 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 it's not an overnight process and uh, in a company of 65,000 people around the world, um, you know, there's some time spent making sure that that every leader is brought along on the journey.
1: So, you know, with, Danaher being a data-driven company, you know, an engineering company, you know, you do measurement uh, devices even, uh, you track retention, recruiting, and promotion rates. You also conduct an annual associate survey. How do you leverage that information to increase your diversity and inclusion?
0: Well, with any data set, right? I mean, at the end of the day, data is is incredibly useful to help give leaders visibility and insight into the business. And that is exactly what um, our data from a diversity and inclusion perspective does. So it helps our leaders understand, um, and in many cases, diagnose, um, where are they? Um, What are our associates actually saying? Um, th- th- there's times when, um, if we think about use the Associate Engagement Survey as an example, where associates may feel much more comfortable in an anonymous survey telling the organization how they really feel when it comes to things like involvement and belonging or trust. And so we spend time um, helping the leaders understand um, h- how do those things correlate directly to diversity and inclusion, and how should they be thinking about that data coming from our associate population. Um, but 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 I think the other place is that you know in order to truly make strides in in the space of diversity and inclusion, it's really important to understand where you're at today, because you know it's very easy sometimes we'll, we'll hear cliches around well, we'll create a diverse slate or make sure that you're hiring diversity, but but what does that mean specifically? So we spend, the data helps our leaders understand that if you look at the data of your team, is it that you need to hire more women or is it that you need to hire more people of color in the United States or do you need more people born outside the United States? Or it may be another stance to say you need people who are more creative in how they think. But the data, again, helps you really understand and do a self-assessment where you're at and what would make your team more effective. And so we we wanna make sure that data helps us, it informs our decisions, but we still wanna make sure from a a diversity and inclusion perspective that the heart and the mind are connected. And so you still have some emotional tie to the decisions that you're making because at the end of the day, we're talking about our associates and people, which we know to be our most important asset.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point that it's, you know, it's not just, I think a lot of times, especially as engineers, we wanna make everything very, you know, there's an exact (laughs) solution
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, um, it's sometimes different for some leaders to think about diversity and inclusion. And it's sometimes given the coin of um, kind of the softer side of leadership. Um, but, but I would argue to say that it's not necessarily a, the softer side, but it's the people side. And it's important not to lose that, that connection point to people, and we can look at all the numbers we wanna look at, we can look at all the trends in the industry we wanna look at, but at the end of the day, it's around that connection point with that associate who's sitting on the manufacturing floor or sitting um, in, the, in the innovation lab, wherever that associate is, to truly understand, do they feel like they belong? Do they feel like they can contribute every day? And do they feel like they're safe within the walls of Danaher? So.
1: So, one of my favorite questions to ask, uh, especially part of this series, is what can men do to be better diversity partners for women engineers? You know, with uh, women, you know, we, we can't do this alone. That's why we really have had a strong emphasis on men as inclusion partners over the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And it's a great question. And it, it's one that is, um, that, that is multi pronged in the approach. But I would say the very first thing is, you know, I would ask men to, to 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 operate with some form of empathy, and to understand that while you may have not walked in the shoes of a woman engineer, to understand what some of the challenges that exist um, are, and to have some level of empathy. A- a- and and along with that, I think it's important that we know that um, there are times that we need to create opportunities. Um, opportunities may not exist, or those opportunities uh, people may not have line of sight of how to get to them. And so taking the time to really make sure that every woman engineer feels like that she has a career path and she knows how to get to whatever the next step is that she wants to get to. Um, and, and I would say the final is is to really evangelize um, respect and practice inclusive behaviors. And I think once those things happen, um, you know, there starts to create some, um, some equality in the workplace, which is incredibly important.
1: To kind of flip the coin, um, that's a different question, kind of related. Uh, What can women engineers do to make their companies more diverse?
0: You know, the number one thing I would say is use your voice. And that may sound overly simplistic, um, but I I can't tell you how many times I sit in conversations with with leaders, male leaders, who say, um, well, I didn't know that it was important to really think about that work-life flexibility in that way or I didn't know that it was important to understand that um, you know, there may be an aging parent at home or there may be a young child at home or there may be um, other param- uh, uh, parameters around a person's life that they need to really have time away to be able to deal with those things. So I think that's the first is to use the voice and to say what you need and to articulate what you need. But I, I, I think the, the second is um, to truly be able to, um, to navigate some of the cultural nuances that exist within companies. And one way to do that is to, you know, immediately utilize the resources that the companies put out, whether it be the associate resource groups or employee resource groups, they're known by many different names within the organizations, or it might be a mentoring program. But I think the more that you can tap into those things as as women engineers, um, I think that helps to, number one, make sure that your voices are heard and those things are being bubbled up appropriately. But I also think it just helps to ensure that you're getting the proper nurturing and developing that you're gonna need along your path. And also um, that you have the right sponsors and mentors.
1: Those are some great points. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today, Ernest. It's been a great conversation with you.
0: Fantastic, it's been a great time being here and I really appreciate this. Uh, and uh, absolutely excited about the, the the being being a man who's a diversity partner, so.
1: Ernest Adams is Vice President of Global Diversity and Inclusion at Danaher. To learn more, go to Danaher's Who We Are page at danaher.com. Thanks for participating in our Men as Diversity Partners podcast series.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget to explore additional offerings from SWE Advance at advancedlearning.swee.org.